Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. I'm Natal Kabirian. I'm the author of A Woman's Drink, Bold Recipes for Bold Women. What is your philosophy on mixing and sharing drinks as opposed to the pre-prohibition cocktail era? Yes, that is a great question. Um, So I was sort of immediately put off by that element of cocktail culture and that resurgence during the you know early 2000s. I feel like there was this real emphasis on beautifully made drinks, which was great. You know, you you had access to so many higher quality products and um, uh, hospitality experiences. But the thing that bothered me, that kind of prevented me personally from really fully enjoying myself in these in these moments was this very like almost like nostalgia for this period when um, it was really like a dark time in our history, you know, like there, it's a really like not, it's not to glamorize. It seemed very cruel to me Um, and to glamorize it. And then by glam, by making, by holding up this time when men were the only ones allowed in these spaces, you sort of like automatically paved the way to make it easier for more men to participate in this culture. Um, and for me, I just, I felt like, I think that cocktails and cocktail culture should be inclusive. And I think that everyone should be able to walk into a play or like even at home, at home or out, they should be able to get exactly what it is that they want, they like, and not feel any shame or uncertainty in asking for that. And I think that like, that's what, you know, at, at its heart, like that's what hospitality is about. It's about making everyone feel welcome. And what bothered me about this culture was that it didn't do that. It made people feel embarrassed or ashamed or unknowledgeable. Um, And I don't think that's, I think that's a failure, a hospitality failure. You also wrote in the book that most of these watering holes shared much in common, lengthy and intimidating drink menus, rules of conduct, and an old-fashioned sense of propriety. I feel like at the time, the Wall Street bros and hedge fund yes. man- managers dictated the culture of bars. Do you? Oh, for sure. I Absolutely. And I think also these shows like Mad Men that really sort of like look at that era through rose-colored glasses to a degree. Like, look how beautifully dressed. Look at these hats. Look at these old fashions. You know, I think that there was like a, a, a an additional sort of sheen of glamour on that lifestyle. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the people who had, and again, the people who have like the, the heftiest wallets are the ones also driving the conversation. Um, And I just don't think that's right. To get a little background on this book, can you first chat a bit about your Brooklyn bars, Elsa and Ramona? I would love to. Um, So Elsa began kind of, so we opened Elsa in 2008 um, as a sort of a reaction to what was happening, um, as you say, like just in this like really broed out cocktail culture. And I just was like, what if we did it differently? What if we, because the thing was, no, there was no denying that the drinks you were getting in these places were incredible. You know, the ingredients they used, the, the spirits they used, the recipes they breathed life into, and the ones they created were really fantastic and, 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 and creative and interesting and, and really high quality. But it was sort of like, how do we translate this? And how do we like move this into a space that feels more accessible and that feels actually fun? Because at the end of the day, it's not, you're not in a library, no matter how much like a library it looks like you're at a bar, you're out, you're having fun and it should feel fun. It shouldn't feel like you should, it shouldn't feel like you have to be restricted in any particular way, you know? So I think that that's sort of how Elsa began 
and um, we had a great we had a great community response. Um, and as a result, we opened um, Ramona. So our first Elsa was in Manhattan. Uh, we opened a second bar, Ramona in Greenpoint, which is our first Brooklyn location. And sadly, we lost our lease in Manhattan, but we were able to put a second Elsa in uh, Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. So I feel like we sort of continue to live on despite New York City real estate constraints. I read that your East Village regulars followed you to Cobble Hill. Yes, it was actually great. So when we opened in the East Village, we had a lot of sort of young, single, a lot of women came in. You know, we had a lot of like, we had a very, um, I would say our our guests skewed female, not, you know, not overwhelmingly, but definitely there was like, we had more female guests, I would say for a while. Um, and we, when we opened Elsa in um, Cobble Hill in what year was that? I guess two years ago, almost now. Um, we had people coming in saying, Oh, I went to your, I went to old Elsa. Or like I went on a, you know, like I used to go there on dates and now like I live around the corner here. Like it, just, it was, it's just great to sort of see like we moved with our, with our, like most of our guests. It was really interesting to see like the neighborhood shift. And so the people that had like frequented our East village location are now, if they stayed in New York are now living in, um, you know, in our neighborhood. And we've had people come back and visit from, you know, when they come back into town from elsewhere, you know, they, if they used to live in the East Village, they'll come and like, we've had people come visit. And say, hey, you know, I remember when you guys were in the East Village. And that's always, it just feels so good to be part of someone's story like that, you know, and there's so many people that come in and say, I, you know, I, I like met my partner in your bar or like, I, you know, I, I, I got hired. <laughs> like I'm, I had a meeting with a with an employer, and they gave me the job. Like it just, it's really like that's the most exciting thing to me to sort of be part of the community story like that. Tell me about your singer sewing machine beer tap. Oh man, yeah, that's quite a tale. So we had when we opened the first Elsa in East Village, we had no budget. I mean, no, like my our budget was like my all of my credit cards combined. Um, <laughs> and it was not, it was not an impressive number. <laughs> so it was, um, we, we'd had a friend who was in design school at the time. Um, and I said to him, I was like, Hey, you know, I want to do this. Would you help me? I can't pay you, but like, you know, like it would, like you can, you know, create a freedom and like, we can, you know, we can do whatever you want. It'll be great. Um, and he had this idea to, um, because we were so limited, our budget was so limited. We couldn't really do a lot of, we couldn't do as much as we wanted to do, but we somehow found this sewing machine um, on eBay, I think. And, and we were just like, what if we did something crazy, like with the beer tap? Like what if we did something like really surreal and interesting? And like, that was like a conversation piece so that the room immediately would have this thing that you like remember that you're drawn to. Um, and it ended up being like this crazy, like, kind of craft project on steroids with like welding and drills and sort of like figuring it out. And, um, and it ended up working out beautifully and we took it with us and we moved because there's no way we were going to leave it behind because it's kind of our thing. Is there a certain way you personalize your bars so they aren't masculine and intimidating? Yeah, I think for us, it's all about, it's about the, who we hire number one. Um, we are very, uh, it's important to us to hire an inclusive staff. It's important to, for, to us to hire people who are, who care about our guests and who, um, don't make things, it's like there's some, a, a term on the menu or spirit no one's ever heard of to relay that information in a way that's, that feels like a friend is talking to you and not someone who's judging you or, you know, so, so that's a huge part of our, 
of our um, mission. Um, I would say it's all about the people we hire. It's all about the spaces themselves being very bright and open and um, inviting in a different way. Um, and uh, the music, like the music is always really fun. And it's never like, it's there's never any like old timey jazz or anything. It's always like, it, it feels it feels fresh. And that's, that's the thing. Like we want people to come in and feel, um, feel like free to enjoy themselves and free to ask for what they need and never. And, and like the, the no judgment thing is a, is a, is a big part of that too. Like we don't want anyone to come in and feel uncomfortable or um, judged for ordering like a lemon drop or some, you know, whatever, if it's something like that they want, we want them to get it, you know? Totally. I was um, a resident DJ at trophy bar in Williamsburg for six years. Oh, yes. And two of the three, oh, own, two of the three owners um, are women. And you could really tell the difference in the cocktails yes. and the lighting and the interior design. And even down to how yes. clean the restrooms were. We, that's, yeah, we definitely, at all of our locations, the restrooms are very like inviting. That's, I want them to be um, like, I, I, I just have a personal thing about, about bathrooms. I do. I feel like so often they're like an afterthought. Um, but it really is like a, it really is a place people pay attention to, um, because you're kind of up in there, you know, and it's, it's really like a, it's a place that I think if you can go the extra mile, it makes a big difference for your guests. Where do you find inspiration for your cocktails? I would say definitely through food. Like I, for me now, I mean, as I've gotten older, I'm definitely going out less and less. Um, but I think for me through food and travel, if I've gone somewhere and I've eaten like an incredible salad and it had these ingredients that I'm, I never thought to put together. I was like, you know, I would make me, it would make me want to make me want to do that. Um, like for example, this summer I went to Maine, which I had only been to one other time, strangely. And I had this ice cream that was like a banana ice cream with red hot mixed into it. And I was like, this should be so gross, but it was so delicious. And I'm still trying to like, we're still trying to figure out how to replicate that and make it a drink because it's like this crazy, this, like it's just like this bonanza of 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 like this spicy sweet like just very unexpected um, flavors that I'm trying to trying to get it together for our menu um, for the summer coming up. Did the Red Hots freeze in the ice cream? Were they crunchy? No. Let me tell you, they were they were sort of like semi dissolved, so they would have these like you have like these ribbons of like that hot cinnamon, but then you'd also have this like sort of gooey occasional crunch of the of the candy shell. It was, I, I mean, I don't know what these people did, but I was, I have to, I have to call them. I don't know. I'm, I'm not having any luck cracking it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so it's, funny. It's really good. Yeah. No, I think about it constantly. That's what's um, brilliant about this book is I really feel like more and more people are having dinner parties in lieu of going out. Yes. So you can use this book to host your dinner party at home, or you can just make one drink for yourself. Absolutely. That's the, and the idea for the book was kind of the same you know, the same um, spirit behind the bar is that there's something for everyone there. You know, like everyone has an entry point to the book. Um, if you are never, if you've never made a drink in your life, or if you're an experienced cocktail maker um, at home, there's something for, for you. And if you, you know, if you're making a, if you're hosting a, a bachelorette party for 30 people, there's a perfect recipe for you. If you're hosting, you know, a, your, you know, a friend who's had a rough day, there's a recipe there for you, you know, or even if you're just like, you just want to make yourself a nice drink. And you don't have all the ingredients for an old-fashioned, there's a recipe for you. Chapter four is drinking to get over so many things. 
Describe the dragon fruit, rum, red pepper, and peach daiquiri, and why that was chosen yeah. to drink when you find out somebody you like voted for Trump. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell we wrote this book in the wake of that 2016 presidential election, I think. <laughs> yes. um, I think we're, like, definitely, uh, I, I mean, I'm still shell-shocked, as I'm sure everyone is. Yep. Um, but for me, the thing I love about this drink is that it's very, it's not It's not an easy one. It's not one that you can sort of, like, throw to get, like, the, the there is a really, there's a process here. There are lots of elements going on in the drink. So I like that it gives you time to sort of like gather, you know, there's like a, almost like a, like there's an intention when you set out to make this drink and there's like a, like almost like a, at any time you make a cocktail, I feel like there's a ritualistic component where it's, um, you're making like a space for a feeling or for a person or for yourself. And for me, it was like, I liked this one because not only does it require like a lot of interesting preparation and like do you have to like create that space and like be intentional about those feelings, but you also get the result, which is this like vibrant red, vivid, like it just like the drink looks how I was feeling at the time. You know what I mean? Like it looks like that feeling. And I think like when you drink it, it just kind of like has that, like it's, it's yes. Like there's anger, but there's like a, like a determination or something. I just feel like it captures this, like this, you know, this energy really well. Like working through something. Totally, totally. And like, like being constructive, you know, not just like, not just being reactive, like doing something sort of like built, like, I think that the act of like building the drink sort of like, I don't know, there's, there's something I think there, I don't know, I don't want to be too, I don't get too make this anything that, that it isn't. But I think that there is something about like, you know, responding to something as opposed to reacting to it. And I think like that was the intent, like that's sort of like the message behind the drink and the, you know, and how I hope it would galvanize someone to move forward um, in a difficult moment like that. I love the combination of illustrations and photos in this book. Yeah. Was that your idea? No, that was our editor. I wish I could take credit for that. Um, uh, Cameron Subia, who is an amazing editor at Chronicle, um, like, you know, because part of the, one of the other features of the bars is our wonderful illustrations that were made by a old college friend of ours who is um, a very talented illustrator. And she was just like, well, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you, it's like, if you have access to like these great, like how else can you, like what a great way to capture the vibe of your spaces. And it really was like such a genius, such a genius um, suggestion. And the photographer, Alice Gao was like, I feel like even still, she's still out of our league. Like, I feel so lucky that we got to work with her. She's really just so fantastic, so talented. Like, the photos exceeded my wildest dreams. Like, really just, I could not have imagined a more, like, I I really could not have been more thrilled with the way all those images turned out. What is the glassware myth? I think anytime you pick up a a cocktail book or you go to, like, a fancy bar or even go to someone's house, for example, I think there's, like, this pressure to serve the right, like to match the drink to the right glass, you know? And I find that to be so frustrating because it's just a glass. Like it's literally just a glass. And it, in, in my New York city apartment, I don't know about you, but like, I think to expect anyone to have that amount of glass there is insane. Like it's yeah. crazy. I you have can no literally room. drink any drink. No, I mean, and who has that kind of budget? Like if you do, God bless and enjoy it. Like, yes, go, go for it. Like I would never stop someone if they wanted to invest, you know, and, get, and give all that space to, to glassware of every variety. But it's just, 
totally unnecessary. And you can just, you can literally serve any drink in any kind of glass. Even people, people are like, oh, you need, don't, you know, you don't want a stemless because you don't want to heat up. The, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine in any glass you have. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> promise. Yes, everything's going to be fine. For my segment called My Last Meal, what would you choose for your last supper? What, what would you choose? What's your, what's your last? Probably a steak and potatoes. Yeah. Like remind like me of my classic. mom. Yeah. No, I think I would have to, I would have to go with, um, with a lobster roll and a champagne cocktail. I think that's like, that's a good note to go out on. So keeping with the theme of this book, I was thrilled to get a copy of A Woman's Drink from your publicist, Joyce Lynn, who I love, uh, to donate to the wing. And um, Um, yeah. Now, A Woman's Drink sits proudly on the library shelves at the Soho location with other female authors. Um, You can check out my photo on Instagram. And I saw on your Instagram that you did a cocktail class at the wing. How was that? I did. It was so fun. It was so much fun. And I'm, I'm hoping they'll let me do it again. I really had a blast doing it. And it was just like a great, and I've done a lot of events for the book, but I've had, that was my first cocktail class I'd done. Um, and it was so fun. And I, the women were really like, really happy to be there and asked amazing questions. And it was just a really great night. And I would absolutely do it again. Anytime. Are you a member? Yes. Yeah. I love it. I don't know what I, I don't know what I did without it for so long. It just, it's been so, I joined, I guess it was last November. I don't remember, but it was like, it's been like maybe over a year now. And I just, I, I have, I also, um, run a nonprofit um, called The Freya Project, which is a fundraising reading series where we have five women read um, an es- like a personal essay based on a theme around a, a nonprofit organization that we raise money for that, for that night. So most, mostly we support these really small, um, usually reproductive justice organizations in red states that don't have a lot of support in their communities. So the idea is to sort of build this bridge between women who are like living in, in, in like progressive cities and women who are doing the really hard work on the ground in places that are kind of hostile to the work that they do. And all of my, I, I feel like I've moved all of my fair project meetings to the wing and it's been so, it's just been so great to sort of designate a space for that. And I could not imagine a more, I mean, a more beautiful place to work. It's just so beautiful in there. That's handle it. amazing. For people who aren't familiar, it's a women's only club slash workspace. Is that, I never know yeah, how to explain I it to people. So. Yes. And their programming is fantastic. They have the most wonderful speakers and the most wonderful events. And I just, it, it really, it's been, it's been, I can't, yeah, like I said, I, I, I can't believe I lived so long without having the wing in my life. Where can we find you on the web and social media? Thank you for asking. Um, so I have a website, which is natalkaburian.com. I'm on Twitter at natalkaburian and on Instagram at N-D-B-U-R-I-A-N. Anyone can make a perfect drink with a woman's drink, even if that person knows nothing about artisanal bitters, has limited time, or is living on a budget. Thanks so much, Natalka, for coming on Cookery by the Book Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. This is so, this is a lovely way to spend my Friday morning. Thank you. 
Subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please take a moment to rate and review Cookery by the Book. You can also follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book. Twitter is I am Susie Chase. And download your kitchen mixtapes, music to cook by on Spotify at Cookery by the Book. Thanks for listening. 